make this work. So again, good evening, everyone, and welcome to our second installment of the lesson entitled Elders, Deacons, Preachers, and Saints. Would you join me in prayer, please? Our blessed, our loving Heavenly Father, we're so very thankful for the direction and instruction you've given us, Father, for leadership in the church. And Father, when we look at it, Father, we know that each of those in whatever task we're in have a responsibility. And Father, we know that as part of that responsibility, Father, we must do things according to your word as you have given us in the written word called the Bible. And Father, as we study tonight, let us be mindful of what is being said, what is being taught. And let us look at it with the mindset that we all, when we meet the qualifications that you set forth in, the, in your word, that we all need to have the desire to serve as well. Father, we thank you for blessing us. We thank you for loving us. These things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen. So this lesson that we're in tonight, this lesson examines the biblical model, if you will, for church leadership. But it also gives us information on how these leaders are to relate to one another as servants of God. Now last week, last week we started this series of elders, deacons, preachers, and and, uh, saints by examining the differences between these roles in the church. These are the only specific roles, if you will, that the New Testament mentions. And we see this in the text that you're looking at there at Ephesians 4, verses 10 through 12. Ephesians 4, verses 10 through 12, the Bible reads, He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. And when he did this, they had a purpose. They had a purpose, and that purpose was to build up the church by training itself to serve and to not to serve itself, rather, and to serve the world. Now, the question is this. Why did he give some as apostles? Why did he give some as prophets? Why did he give some as evangelists, teachers, and shepherds? Well, verse 12 puts it very clearly the way God sees things. And in verse 12, the Bible reads, He gave us these for the equipment of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Those who have been given these roles have a specific function in the church based on three factors. And those three factors are responsibility um, and uh, aptitudes and also 
appointments. Now, when we look at the factor of responsibilities, what we find is each role has a specific task. And when I say each role, it doesn't matter if you're serving as an elder, a deacon, a preacher, or a saint. We have specific roles. When we think of aptitude, the uh, the person who functions in these roles do so because they are qualified in specific ways. Again, be they elders, deacons, preachers, or saints. And then by appointment. The Bible demonstrates that the men who serve as elders, preachers, and deacons are always appointed to their task, and they are appointed by those in the church. So in today's lesson, what we will do is we will look at the role of elders. So what we're talking about then is church leadership. When examining church leadership, we must be careful to differentiate between worldly leadership and church leadership. Leadership in the world takes on many forms and exercises authority in many ways. Some leadership is cruel. It's cunning with the leaders who would do anything to to advance themselves and advance their power. I remember a preacher telling me one time that he knew of a group that there was a term they used, they ate their own. Others are self-serving and proud. Still, others are demonics. For instance, uh, Manson, Charles Manson. Others are benevolent, such as Gandhi. But regardless of the style, so long as there is some form of leadership, there is a measure of order, a measure of growth. may not be the best, but there is a measure there. The church, as an organization, is no different. It also has leadership. And without it, the church cannot function and grow very well. And what I want us to do is see the difference as we go through this tonight. The leadership structure and and style for the church is found in the New Testament and basically is as follows. The head, the leader, is Christ Jesus. And when we think of Christ Jesus as being the head and the leader of the church, we know this right here. There is no vote in him in or out. God has placed him there and he will remain there until the end of the age. Christ Jesus, well, Colossians 1 and verse 18, the Bible reads, Christ Jesus is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. And remember, the words of Christ Jesus that we find in Matthew verse 28 uh, chapter 28, rather, verse 18. He says that all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. And if we continue reading around verse 21, he says, I will be with you until the end of the age. And in between that, he tells us that we are to go into the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus is the only head of the church. He is the only leader of the church. And he shares leadership with no one else in heaven or on earth. As Ephesians 4 verse 4 says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were also called in one hope of your calling. So as head of the church, as leader of the church, Christ Jesus has all authority. Now I want you to think back with me to a series not that long ago that was entitled The Passion and the Glory. And what we find is that in Matthew 28, we find that his disciples met him in Galilee on a mountain that he had designated. And we find that they saw him, they worshiped him, and yes, they even doubted him. And this was prior to his last command given to the church. And that command was to evangelize. And again, I take you back to Matthew 18, uh, 28 at verse 18. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Christ Jesus, being the one who have all authority, what we find is that makes him the only leader. And as such, he exercises his leadership in two ways, with his word and with his spirit. When we look at him exercising his leadership with his word, what we find is this. His word is final. And we find that his word is the basis for judgment. We look at John chapter 12 and verse 48. John chapter 12 and verse 48. The Bible says, he who rejects me and does not receive my sins has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. His word, the word of Christ Jesus, it is effective to teach. It is effective to rebuke. It is effective to correct. It is effective to train us up in righteousness. Here what Paul, here rather Paul's writing to Timothy and to us today, the church saying at Second Timothy 3 at verse 15, the Bible there reads, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. This word is able to save us. This word is able to help us grow. Why is that? Because it completes us, but not only that, it equips us for every good work. So Christ Jesus exercises his leadership with his word, but he also exercises it with, with his spirit. When we receive the Holy Spirit at baptism, we become disciples of Christ Jesus. 
Now, remember, Peter had preached his first sermon. And the people were so moved by what he said that the brethren said, what must we, I mean, the the people said, brethren, what must we do to be saved? And we look at Acts chapter 2 at verse 38 and we have Peter answering them. Peter says, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Among other things, God's Holy Spirit leads us in our ministries. At Acts chapter 16, at verse 6, the Bible reads, They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forgiven by the Holy Spirit, having been forbidden, rather, by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. The Holy Spirit leads us in our prayers. At Romans 8, at verse 26, the Bible reads, In the same way, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit helps us in our resurrection. At Romans chapter 8, at verse 10, the Bible reads, If Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwell in you. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit works all things in the world. The Holy Spirit works all things in our personal lives for the good of the church, which our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus is the only head. Through the word and through his spirit, Jesus exercises leadership in the church. The responsibility to exercise leadership of the Lord in the local congregation belongs to the elders. On his first missionary trip, I should say his journey, Paul establishes churches in Lystra and Iconium. Upon his return to these places, Paul appointed elders in each church, as we read and as Luke rather writes at Acts chapter 14 to verse 23, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. We see that word commended. Commended, it means to place alongside These men were placed not ahead of Christ Jesus, not behind Christ Jesus, but alongside Christ Jesus in order to exercise the leadership that he expresses in the New Testament. This procedure is repeated in Titus 1 at verse 5 
where there Paul instructs the evangelists to appoint elders in the churches in Crete. The text there says, For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I have directed you. Even the words used to describe the role of the New Testament suggest the exercising of leadership. Pastor, shepherd. The shepherd leads and is responsible for the flock. Bishop, overseer. The word originally meant to overshadow in reference to uh, the bright cloud of transfiguration. Elder, presbyter, meant older, wise, and referred to the patriarchs in the Old Testament. And we also see a reference to to the elders, if you will, at uh, Matthew chapter uh, 16 and verse 21 in the Sanhedrin. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit says that the church must appreciate and know the elders. I take you to First Thessalonians 5 at verse 12. First Thessalonians 5 at verse 12. The Bible reads, but we, <clears throat> but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. The Holy Spirit says that the church must obey the elders. Hebrews 13 and verse 17, the Bible reads, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this would be unprofitable for you. So suffice to say that the New Testament teaches us that Jesus is the leader and authority in the church. And his leadership is embodied, if you will, in the word and the Holy Spirit, but, but it is exercised in human form through the eldership. So the question is, why the emphasis on leadership? Why the emphasis on leadership? The Bible itself teaches that the responsibility of leadership in the church rests with the elders. All the scriptures that we read in the word of God that relate to them, whether it is describing their work, their qualifications, or simply referring to them in a narrative, always puts them in the leadership role. Go over to Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 1. We're going to read the first six uh, verses there. Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. The Bible reads... Some men came down from Judea 
and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them would go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up, saying, it is necessary to circumcise them to observe the law of Moses. The debate over circumcision saw the apostles and the elders discussing what needed to be done. Note the conclusion of that discussion at verse 22. Verse 22 reads, Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas called Barsabas and Silas leading men of the brethren. It is important. It is important to understand that God's word establishes the elders as leaders in the local congregation or the local assembly. This is not tradition. This is not some self-service. But it's established by God. The other reason or rather another reason to emphasize the elders' leadership role is to guard against errors of denominationalism. Paul warned the elders that, rather Paul warned the elders from Ephesus that the world would be, the church would be, there would be division and apostasy in the church. We see this at Acts chapter 20. The, two, the New Testament church, if we think about it, if we read the word of God and pay attention to what was going on, what we find is the New Testament church, and it's still going on today, the New Testament church has had to battle against man-made ideas concerning his doctrine and his organization. And this has been going on since century number one. One such organizational change one such organizational change has been the shift from an elder-centered church to a preacher-centered church. You see, originally, the elders through, uh, rather led through teaching, through example, through devotion, through ministry, and they were doing this to the unfaithful and the ill. At James chapter 5 at verse 14, the Bible reads, Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. In, in, most, in most denominations, and unfortunately, even in some churches of Christ, we have, we have left this model. We have left the elder-centered model. For one that sees the preacher, i.e. the preacher-centered model, for one who sees the preacher as the main teacher, the main leader, the main, the, the main minister, and the elders are nothing more than a, a group of board, if you will, of decision makers. You, I think the term people said you would hear sometimes is we will run this by the elders. A lot of us in here have been around for a long time. We've been around for a long time, and we probably knew exactly what I'm talking about when I say this. Some will and or have said, we don't need elders. We just need a group of men within the congregation. That's all we need. In situations where there are insufficient qualified men, this is understandable but it's also temporary, it should be. Understandable and temporary with the mindset. As a congregation, we are striving for the biblical pattern of leadership that we read about in the word of God. The biblical pattern of leadership being appointed elders. Now, make no mistake, make no mistake, a congregation can grow using man-made methods like instruments and gimmicks and, and charismatic preachers uh, in a preacher-centered environment. But our call, our call is not to be big. Our call is not to be a big church. Our mission is to be the church in the Bible. And we have to understand God is more pleased with purity than numbers. Even, even in early years as a Christian, I was of the belief, and I still am of that belief today, that if we take care of the faith of the flock, the numbers, be they physical or financial, will take care of themselves. We need to concentrate on this faith of the flock. I remember a preacher saying, if you want to fill up every seat in the auditorium, it's real easy. All you need to do is get on the radio and the newspaper and say, we're giving $50 to everybody to come to service. We'll have a full packed house. Jesse, you'll be working overtime with security. <laughs> I'll be telling you that. Yeah, you can fill up a church easy. But how long would that last? Next week, you're going to have to do 50 bucks again, and then you get to the point where people are not going to come without 100. The numbers will take care of themselves if we take care of the faith of the flock. The church of the Bible has elders as the focal point of leadership, the focal point of ministry, the focal point of teaching and nurturing and counseling. Not the pulpit minister, not the youth minister. Not the deacons, 
not some committee. More specifically, more specifically, the focal point of the leadership aspect of the elders will challenge three groups. And these three groups that I want to talk about, they're not located on the south side. They're not located in Eagle River. They're not located in the valley up north, down south. The three groups I want to talk about are located right here in Anchorage Church of Christ. These are the three groups that I'm talking about that needs to be challenged. Group number one, it will challenge the elders ourselves. And right now I'm getting specific. I'm talking about Jaylee Jackson and James Harris. It would challenge our elders themselves, us. And we would recognize more emphatically the importance and scope of our role. Number two, it would challenge our congregation as a whole. We will realize that God has put in place to lead elders. And when there is rebelling or murmuring against our elders, we will realize that it is done against God's will. Number three, it will challenge those who need to consider serving as elders. It is, it is important to identify and cultivate men to serve as elders now and continue into the future. You know, there's always somebody out there doing some type of a survey about something, right? It's no different in the church. But according to church studies, there should be one elder per every 40 adults. We are short by four. Just a rough count that I did last night. We're short by four elders. Because we got a lot more than 80 adults identified with Anchorage Church of Christ. But we only have two elders. So we're short of elders by four, to be honest. Elders do not last forever. Churches need to be ready to replace the ones who will eventually retire and sadly, brethren, will eventually die. Hopefully, hopefully, some will hear God's call to surrender their lives to him in service through the eldership. Knowing none are worthy But some may be willing to serve. The bottom line is, you don't have to feel worthy. Just be willing. Now I want to take you back, because twice I've used the word, and that word is eldership. I know that word is not found in the Bible. It's a matter of semantics. The men who are serving as elders eldership really is the same thing. Now I want to share something with you that, that I actually did. <laughs> it was about um, four years ago, maybe five. 
your elders, our elders, were interviewing preachers. And one of the questions on the interview was this. Give us some examples of how you have worked with the eldership. This is what we got. Well, first of all, let me tell you this. You will not find that word eldership in the Bible. And the person went on for a few seconds. So when he got finished, I just said this to him. Would you mind answering the question? Because you know what I'm talking about. Answer the question. And I have to think sometime, how many times do we miss out on the opportunity to talk to someone about Christ because we're talking to that person and that person says something that's not in the Bible and we spend more time lecturing them on what's not in the Bible than we do talking to them about what is in the Bible. How often do we do that? And just like this gentleman, he's applying for a job. (laughs) And the question wasn't, is eldership in the Bible? The question is, do you work with those men? Do you have examples of working with those men? So again, the bottom line, you do not have to feel worthy. Just be willing to serve. Um, Would you turn in your Bibles to... uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. The Bible reads. Okay, hmm. there we go. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober minded, self controlled, respectable, hospitable able to teach not a drunkard not violent but gentle not quarrelsome not a lover of money he must manage his own household well with all dignity keeping his children submissive for if someone does not know how to manage his own household how would he care for God's church he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Look again at verses 2 through 7. Brethren, There are some men in our congregation, Anchorage Church of Christ, who meet the qualifications listed in verses 2 through 7. This being the case, this being the case, where then lies the problem? Where then lies the problem? There are some men meeting at Anchorage Church of Christ. Again, I can't say that enough because Anchorage Church of Christ is James and Jayla's responsibility. 
there are some men meeting in Anchorage Church of Christ who, for whatever reason, do not meet the qualification stated in verse 1. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Some men at Anchorage Church of Christ lack the desire to serve in this capacity, to serve as an elder in the lowest church here on the Bar Road. Now, I want to clarify something here in the statements I just made. The statement that was just made, know this, it is not intended to shame anyone into anything, especially to shame anyone for saying, I want to serve as an elder. And this is why. Because the one who has to be shamed in service to the Lord has already demonstrated a lack of desire. Serving as an elder is a noble cause. It can be tough. It can be rewarding. I asked this question one time in a class. And I think I'm going to try it here. This is what I need. I'm going to ask you a question. And Jerry, for real, don't mess with me now. Okay, don't mess with me. For real, okay. Most everybody in here got children. So, everyone in, in here with children, raise your hand. Okay. Now, everyone in here with children... And raising those children was always fun. Keep your hand up. Okay. Now, put your hand back up. <laughs> put your hand back up a second. Got one more for you. Okay, so we've acknowledged raising children is not always fun. How many of you will give them back? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. We won't give them back. It's not always fun, but we won't give them back. And it's the same thing about what we do as elders, what Jaylee and I do as elders. No, it is not always fun. But we will do this. And we do it joyfully. Even though it have been times this kid been brought to tears, we do it joyfully. Because that is our responsibility. That is our responsibility we have the aptitude for it and we have been appointed to this task so when we're looking again whenever we're looking at that, those qualifications for serving as an elder pay very close attention to verse 1 because that's the big one it really is those other ones are nice but, but you look at those other ones you know barely talk about what, what we should be doing as saints anyway <laughs> that, that number one that desire that desire to serve. That's very important. So next week, next week, we will continue talking about elders as we look at or venture into elders' character profile. I thank you all for joining me tonight. Uh, for those who are joining us online, uh, we have our contact information on the slide. If you have questions about what was taught tonight, you can send us an email. You can uh, call us. You can even write a letter, if you will. And for everyone else, uh, whether here or in person, um, there's a devote that will be following shortly after we finish here tonight. If 
basically I'm saying, I'm asking you to stay. <laughs> I'm asking you to stay. Because it's, it's amazing that our brothers have gone and gone about the business of bringing together a nice devotion for us. And it is, everyone is, we can get something from God's word whenever it's brought to us. So I'm asking everyone to stay tonight. And I'm also asking everyone to join us again next Wednesday as we venture into installment number three of elders, deacons, preachers, and saints. Thank you.